What's up, everybody? Welcome back to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm reporting live in Lisbon right now, and then I head to France for the weekend, and then I head to Croatia, and Croatia is the last stop on my remote year trip. So we are on month four out of four coming up. I cannot believe it. These four months flew by. It has been insane. I've gotten sick multiple times. I've only had one mental breakdown, which is very surprising given how much travel we've been doing and how exhausted I've been. But I'm excited. I'm very excited for Croatia. I've only been once and it was very quick. We just hopped on and off the island. So, excuse me, the islands. So if you have specific recommendations for split or things that I must do or see in Croatia, I will be there most of October. I'm doing a few side trips around Europe, but I'm spending a lot of time in Croatia. So I would love to hear your tips. Right now, I'm actually in a phone booth in my co-working space recording with just headphones, you know, the old geeky ones that have the wires in them. Yes, I still use those. My laptop and free software. And it just made me want to show you that you don't need much to get started podcasting. I think there's this idea that podcasting is just not for you. And it's an idea that my clients often deal with when they want to get into it. They know they have a lot to say. They know that they have amazing stories or that they could help people or that they want to express themselves in a different way. But they're like, oh, I don't know. It's just not for me. In fact, today's guest, Emmy, she's the host of the Violet Vulture podcast and a mic drop alum. She had these same fears around podcasting. Some of those fears included being too much. Oh, can any of you relate to that? I feel like there's so many of us that hold back our expression because someone told us like, we're too animated or we talk too loud or we use our hands too much or like, oh my gosh, you know, you're just like too much. I hate that people feel like they can't express themselves because they feel like they're too much. She also felt like she didn't really like what she was hearing back in the recordings, which I think we all can relate to, right? We go to record something and we listen back and we're like, huh, that's not how I thought I sounded, or I just don't like how that sounds. Is anyone going to listen? And I know personally, I felt that too. That's why I stalled on my podcast for a year. I don't know if any of you knew that, but I wanted to start a podcast probably a year or in a year, a year and a half before I even started it, because I was so caught up in all these mental gymnastics that I was doing, and holding myself back from what I really wanted to do. So I know a lot of us can relate to this. And podcasting feels big. It feels kind of like writing a book or starting a YouTube. I think it feels very exposed. And when I zoom out and really look at that idea, I think it's because with social media, we know that everyone is scrolling and tapping and constantly just really not even paying attention or integrating what they're seeing on social media. And we know that our content is amongst a sea of other content. And people are probably only looking at our content for what, 30 to 60 seconds max? Where I think podcasting, we know that someone is tuning in with their undivided attention for longer periods of time. And I think that feels more vulnerable. If you're wondering how Emmy moved through some of these fears around podcasting, then keep listening because we discuss her work, why she eventually wanted to start a podcast, the challenges she faced, and how she's making podcasting work for her. We also talk about her favorite things when it comes to podcasting as well, any advice that she has for new podcasters, and her experience inside Mic Drop. And by the way, Mic Drop is officially open for enrollment. You are going to learn everything you need to know about launching a podcast, from the tech to systems and organizing, recording tips and pointers, content strategy, understanding analytics and how to use them to your advantage, and launch and marketing strategy. Also, one of my favorite things is that you're going to have the support of a whole group with you doing this alongside you. One of my favorite quotes is if you want to go fast, go alone. And if you want to go far, go together. Because podcasting is a long-term game. 
So if you want to go far and you want to feel in community and supported by other teammates on the field with you, then Mic Drop is perfect. It's the best place to do that because you get to test your ideas in a contained space, right? You're not doing this alone and putting something out in the world that feels very vulnerable and not ever testing it with a group of people. You get to do that within the container of Mic Drop. You can ask for feedback, brainstorm, collaborate with other podcasters in the making. Emmy actually said it was one of her favorite parts of Mic Drop. So if you're like, okay, yes, this might be what I need, then I'm letting you know that registration is open until October 9th and we start October 10th. You're going to learn about everything you need to launch a podcast. Plus there are weekly calls as well as accountability sessions, co-working sessions, a private Slack group to connect with everyone. You're really going to be supported the entire time. So if you're interested, then head to the link in my bio to register or DM me at Chelsea Rife if you have any questions. I hope to see and hear you on the airwaves soon. And let's dive into this week's episode with Emmy, the host of the Violet Vulture podcast, to hear about her podcast journey and mic drop. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I am stoked about today's guest, the beautiful Emmy. She is a podcaster and storyteller, and she runs the podcast, The Violet Vulture. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Chelsea. I'm so excited. I cannot wait to chat to you. And I love your podcast. I listened to the one about the villain era and I was like, oh my gosh, I need to have a villain era. I wanted to dye my hair red. I was ready to do like a whole new wardrobe. I actually might still all do this. It's just traveling makes it a little hard to update your wardrobe and find a good hairstylist to dye your hair red. So when I settle down, I think maybe I'll have my villain era, but I just wanted to shout out that episode. That was so incredible. Oh, thank you so much. I, I absolutely love the concept of villain era. I feel like I always related to them so much more than the hero. So when I heard that whole thing come out, I'm like, I can't wait to talk about this. Everybody should have one. Do it. (laughs) Obsessed. Well, we're probably going to dive into more of what your podcast is about. So for anybody that doesn't know you, can you tell us about what you do and who you help? Absolutely. So I am a podcaster, but I tend to lean towards saying I'm a storyteller because even before podcasting, I was writing, blogging. I have a novella that I'm pretty close to feeling like I have the ending of. So we're going to get there. I am a self-projected projector. So I have leaned toward really wanting to speak out loud as far as storytelling goes, that I feel that I may not know in my head what I want to say, but once I get going, the ideas begin flowing. So as far as the work that I do, I really speak to people's dark sides that I feel that a lot of things I've been drawn to in life are taboo or other or too spooky. So I've really focused on this phase of my life, not just speaking to my own experience, but helping people integrate that shadow and be more in touch with talking about things that maybe they were told, like, you just don't talk about that. So facilitating that has been really important to me in my work. Oh, love that. And why does that matter so much to you? Why does your work matter so much? Yeah, I want people to feel like they're not alone, that it is so deeply isolating to have felt like you're too different or you're doing things that you shouldn't be doing. Like when we were in mic drop and you said like, it's okay to be too much. And it clicked to me like, yeah. And that's even made it into how I talk about myself and my work, that I am a too much person but that that's okay. And I think we we normalize pulling back, suppressing a part of ourselves to be palatable. But 
you know, I have a lot of intersecting things. Like I've always identified as a witch, but I was raised Catholic. So I should not have done that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm Puerto Rican, but it's one of those like, ni de aquí, ni de allá. Like I am ostracized on the island for the most part because I'm a gringa. But when I'm on the state side, it's like, what, what even are you? <laughs> like you're, you're not white. That's all I know. So it's like, damn, I have, I, well, who are my people? <laughs> like there have mm. people like this that like metal, that also like pink, that like horror movies, that just want to vibe. So I feel like even existing out loud can be really empowering because I didn't see a whole lot of people that look like me talking about the things that I talk about now. Wow. Yeah. And there's such a feel like, I feel like with the Latin communities too, there's a kind of core wound of being too much. Like I was learning recently about even in Europe right now, when you go to the South and it's Italy and Spain and all these hotter countries, they tend to be spicier people. And so as you go to the North, it becomes a little quieter. They're a little more stoic. And I was thinking about that too, because my mom is also Puerto Rican and I tend to be very animated. People have told me, I've had multiple exes tell me I should be an actress. And I couldn't tell if that was a dig or like genuine and that started that wound too of like, am I too much? And recently my mom was visiting and I'm like, well, this is where I get it from. She's talking with her hand. She's expressive. She's making faces. And I realize it's not too much. It's who we are. Like too much is also subjective. Like to her, she's probably not too much when she's around her family, but maybe if she's a, with a more, you know, stoic group of people, maybe she's too much. And so I'm curious with that kind of wound of being too much, how do you feel like you moved through that? Yeah, I think something that helped too. My partner is so very different from me. Like my husband, we both did the ancestry DNA thing, and for him, it was more figuring out like, so what kind of white person am I? Am I even? And for me, it was really curious about like, there's that saying that to be Puerto Rican is to be three things: you're European, you're African, you're indigenous. And I didn't know what would pop up because there's no way to track that. And yeah, he's 100% white. It's a lot of German, a lot of Austrian, Italian. So I'm like, oh, that's so beautiful. And I I am all three. So half European, African, and indigenous. So really grappling with that and like, oh, I have such rich history. I think really helped with the feeling too much. Like I have a lot of like lineage. I have a lot of history baked into my blood. That's so cool. And even leading up to preparing to record today, my husband's in class and I can tell when he's speaking because he still booms through the closed door. And it's like, yeah, I know there's that whole stereotype, like, oh, we're loud, spicy people. And like, sometimes we are. I'm like, I'm never as loud as him. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't even realize it. He's like, this is my speaking voice. I'm like, you need to lower your volume, please. <laughs> so right. I think having someone to riff off of that is so different from you that has similarities, that's also has a different upbringing helps a lot. So it just kind of feels like normalized in many ways. It, it helped me feel like, because I had been told that like, oh, you Puerto Ricans must be so spicy. And I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> I, yeah. I am in some ways, but for the most part, it takes me a while to start opening up because I'm observing a lot. People think like, oh, you must come in hot. I'm like, not really. I tend to wait and watch before being invited to speak. And then you can't give me to shut up then. So yeah, I, I think experiencing life has been helpful. Just like putting myself in different environments, having someone who is so different from me 
And at the same time, people are like, it just makes sense. So I think being open to having people reflect back to you in some way can kind of help affirm you to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the the stereotype that we're just automatically coming in hot, spicy. It's like, maybe just hang out with me and you will see that it's actually not the case. But, you know, if you want to think that about me, fine. (laughs) I'm curious about the way you were expressing yourself in your work before. You know, some people love writing, some people love videos, some people love guest speaking. What are some of the ways that you were expressing yourself um, before you took Mic Drop? Yeah. So before Mic Drop, I was blogging a decent chunk. I did have a WordPress that I felt was perhaps me writing at my truest like manifestation of me because it was before I thought that I could even monetize blogging. I knew that they were bloggers that were professional bloggers at the time. It wasn't really new by like 2015, 2016, but it, it still felt like intangible. So because I didn't worry about whether or not people really read it, like I was writing it for me in the hopes that like the people that find it will find it helpful or they just won't want to read it at a certain point and then I'll move on with my life. But I, I found that I did want to write like in series. I am drawn to writing stories that are tied to like greater narratives that I'm drawn to. So I always love like Gothic fiction growing up. So I feel like that's a lot of what I want to write now. And I feel like I was a big, like I loved magazines growing up. So I feel like having a series, like having a a self-helpy thing that I want to put my own spin on is something that I've been very drawn to. The last thing that I remember writing that felt like this is very me was that I was talking about archetypes, but I was calling it personas because I didn't have like the language of archetypes at the time. And I put myself through like a week long challenge of like, here's what I recommend, but also here's me doing it. So, you know, I'm not BSing you. And it actually did transform my life at that point because I felt very, very stuck, very like in the weeds and writing felt like a good way to process in real time while also kind of giving other folks like other folks a a sense of like a roadmap that could be helpful to them too, that maybe they hadn't considered that I wasn't writing to kind of give another iteration of like fake it till you make it because I think that's wrong. You know, mm-hmm. in in astrology even, like we have all of the signs, we have all the houses, even if there aren't any planets in there. So you are a full multifaceted person. It's more about learning to tap into the things that you want to pull forward, maybe pull back on and kind of live in harmony. I'm like, don't let anything just drop off entirely. You can elevate the thing that you want to kind of nurture a bit more because like, as I wrote in, um, wrote to you at the end of mic drop, I, I feel like I'm talking so much more now than I ever have. (laughs) So I think that while blogging was helpful for me beginning storytelling at all, for me writing to kind of get that muscle going again. I feel like a kind of a greater arc of like the things I want to talk about. I feel like I have more ideas now with wanting to verbally storytell versus strictly writing. I love that. And you know, what's interesting though, is I feel like writers appreciate writing because of you usually write in a quiet space or you have your own 
practice, right? And then you can go back, you can edit, you you can really feel yourself getting into the spirit of writing when you're sitting down and you're like, okay, I'm putting my words on paper, I'm storytelling. And it really is a different experience, in my opinion, when you start podcasting, because now you're speaking the words that you are writing. And it's just a different energy. Um, do you feel like it's different? Or do you feel like it's the same? And you're just bringing your words to life? Oh, it's definitely different. I think I recognize more immediately when this isn't quite what I wanted to say. So I do spend a lot of time scripting in advance because I do have ADHD. And if I didn't have a framework as I went in, then I would sit there and go, oh no, what happened? I had ideas. Where'd they go? And it just feels like too too frantic at that point. So I I will script and there have been a few occasions, as I think happens to a lot of people who podcast, where I, I'm there, I'm recording, I downloaded the MP3, I think I'm done, but then I'm sitting with it an hour later, I'm like, that is not what I wanted to say. I didn't feel good recording it. I don't feel good about saying to edit it. And there have been plenty of episodes so far that I thought like, I didn't feel good doing it but I feel like it'll still help people. So I'll put it out there anyway, because maybe it's not about me, this episode, it's about helping other people. And that's been the case. But with this one in particular, because I was talking about me a lot to kind of help frame and ground the conversation, I realized like, no, that's not how I want to talk about me, or that's not really how I think about it. So maybe don't rush it and give it a breather and come back to it. So I spend a little bit more time like reading it out loud, kind of giving it a bit of more, like a little bit more time. So I felt a lot of, I felt a lot better when I went back to, um, to record this morning before we hopped on, just knowing like, Oh, I feel like me talking about it now. I don't feel like I'm forcing myself to fit into a mold because, you know, we know so many great wellness industry people that it's so easy to feel like you're mimicking the other person without realizing it. Like, I don't want to be Michelle Palazan. I don't want to be like a balanced black girl. And the upside is like, you're supporting people you respect. The downside is like, oh no, I'm, I took it too far that direction. I need to rein it back to Emmy. What would I actually say about this? Like, stop trying to be somebody else. So that's a really great thing with podcasting that I don't realize with writing. Like I, I was called in one day because they asked me if I was reading a lot of Stephen King, like when I was writing a few short stories. And I said, like, I hadn't read any Stephen King at that point. And they said, oh, it sounds very similar. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and, and they did point out like, oh, yeah, we had read a few things. And then you wrote that assignment. So like, you just ended up kind of emulating a bit more. And I'm like, damn it, I, <laughs> I tried so hard to write like me. So I feel like with writing, there's a lot more of a danger if, especially if you're um, having trouble reading your own writing, catching that you're not mimicking too much, that some people do want to go out of their way to write like a certain writer. And that is their goal. Like um, Sarah J. Mass, like fantasy writer, there is a, another great writer who came out that's like, I want to write like this person. So she owned like, I want to not really be a copycat, but I'm inspired by her. So that's why my book may feel like that. And that's good for that person. But for me, I especially like marginalized person. I don't want to be compared to somebody else. I want my work to feel patently like me. 
And podcasting makes it a lot easier to do, I find. Oh, there's so many great points you just brought up. And I think one of them is this self-reflection piece of like, podcasting isn't just writing, recording, editing onto the next. It's like you're starting to have this cognitive creative process of like, whoa, I actually don't want to sound like that person. Or why am I leaning so far this way? Is that because I want to be more accepted because I see that people accept them? Or, you know, is it because I don't feel comfortable expressing my truth? So it sounds like there's been a lot of self-discovery. Yeah, a great deal of that. Like, I think it's helped me take more time with the process, with all of the processes that I have. Because I was also, um, had a great one-to-one with somebody yesterday where they asked me a lot of great questions about creativity and my process. And I was excited to answer them. But then when I began to ask them questions about something I was working on, they said, I don't think that's what you want to be doing. You literally just said that you wanted more space and you wanted more time to do these things. And if you go and add that on, one, people may not like it because that's not really what you've done up to now. And that's more work for you to do. And what I'm hearing is you produce better work when you do less. So maybe you don't do that. <laughs> and it is like, huh. And, and they kind of were concerned, like, am I, conv- am I talking you out of it? And I said, no, I am very pro kill your darlings. Like, I don't want to work on something for the hell of it. I would rather work on something that I could be proud of that feels like me. And it, I could ask myself too, like, can I see myself trying to do this for six months? Like the podcast was like an easy thing for me. Cause I'm like, yeah, I could do that for six months easily. Like why not try it? But then when it came down to this one project, I'm like, I've been doing this for two months and I hate it. <laughs> so wh- why continue? Like there's no other direction I could take it. It's okay. If I stop now, I think it's better to know when to call it and people will respect that better, especially if you say it. Then if you just kind of like ghost the whole thing, like, yeah, we're not doing it anymore. I'll figure it out. I'd, I'd rather even use the podcast to explore that too. Like a lot of creators feel like they have to do this or they have to do that. And I thought that too, but I don't like what's happening here. So we're, we're not going to do it. We're going to try this other thing instead. So I feel like being open to iterating in real time or just publicly trying is really powerful. I think it's something I thought I would do with YouTube back when I thought I could be a YouTuber, but I hate watching myself speak for too long that there's no way. (laughs) I would need an editor right away. It's like, deal with my face because I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what's so interesting too is it seems like you are really good at, you said, killing your darlings, but also making things work for you. So instead of, oh, I'm going to have a, a podcast for the rest of my life once a week, an hour a week, because that's what most people do, or I'm going to do, uh, you know, only for, I'm going to do this one project, even though I hate it, but it probably could be lucrative. You're like, no, I'm going to do what works for me. And so how did you make podcasting work for you? How did you customize it to fit in Emmy's world? Yeah, initially I thought about strictly doing weekly and really wanting to be like fastidious about it. And for a while that was a bit more sustainable because I had begun to put out mini-sodes and not really like longer content initially. And for a few reasons, one, I wanted again to do that iterating in real time. Like what would be the five different things I could see myself doing with the podcast and 
just put it out there for one, people can immediately start listening. They can get a taste of it. And that accountability piece, like if it's out there, then I got it. I, I want to keep going now because I, I've begun to do it. I know a little bit of feedback I, I got at some point from another podcaster was like, you can record and then just not put it out yet. I'm like, I will not put it out then. <laughs> you know how much art I have that's ever seen the light of day? I have so many paintings that are in a closet in my parents' house that my husband's like, you've done so much. I'm like, yes, I'm very prolific. They will never see the light of day. <laughs> they will live in this house forever. So I think it. I think having the structure of trying to go for weekly is really helpful. But even like this month, I said, okay, we're going to have a little series. It'll be these four episodes. And let me see what that last um, week of the month could be. Maybe I have like a little bonus around it. I'll, I'll figure that out in like the next handful of weeks. But then when I looked at my October calendar, I really want to challenge myself to showing up on Instagram in a not overly curated way, in a more structured way. But I hide behind Canva a lot because like Canva's pretty. So I don't have to worry about like, how am I being consumed? So I figure I challenge myself by showing up on the podcast, I can begin speaking out loud to people. So I think what I found really helpful was being able to say, even in the podcast, like, hey, I'm taking this week off to just focus on October. I have too much going on in Halloween, spooky season, how I want to show up on Instagram. There's no way that I could also add in a podcast episode if I also want to ramp up writing. So I think what I do want to work up to, because I do have a lot of like open time, is I do want to work on kind of getting out of the cycle that I was in when I was working full time and trying to manage the podcast full time with okay, I'm writing, I'm recording, I'm editing all in one day. That is so taxing. So spacing it out, maybe getting ahead a little bit, but also giving myself some freedom to say like, I am still doing this because I want to do it. And it's me solo handling it all. So I feel like I'm mostly weekly, save for when I say like, I will be taking this week off. So I feel like I treat it more like an open communication piece than like I will perfectly show up every single week because I, I'm also chronically ill. So that just might also not be realistic. Like anything could happen. So, well, you know, what's really interesting too, is that throughout this conversation, you've really shown how you make things work for you between killing your darlings, you know, giving yourself a constraint of six months of podcasting, really making a schedule that works for you. So I'm curious, you know, podcasting, people see it and they're like, how am I going to keep up a podcast for, you know, indefinite amount of indefinite amounts of time, an hour each week interviewing, like it just seems overwhelming. How did you make podcasting work for you? Yeah. Something that I found helpful when I initially thought like, oh, I'll definitely do like an episode a week, but I think intentionality is a really big piece of it. So I am also somebody who loves a theme. So if you're thinking about wanting to have a podcast that's a season long, figure out what that season means for you. I do work in kind of, I'm wanting to begin to work more in kind of flow with the vibe of the year. So the autumn time still has some decent activity to it. And winter is for kind of going inward and reflecting. 
So I think that might be more of when I take like the podcast break, like that'll be the end of season. So I can gather ideas, do some like good nesting and then like emerge in spring and summer with like ideas and things I'm ready to just be excited about talking about. And as someone who identifies as like a really spooky person, like I love Halloween. I recently, I got curious one day I had too much free time. So I spent it on making a notion doc of all the horror movies I've seen and I've added to it since then. There are like over 230 that I've seen in my lifetime. So wow. <laughs> yeah, I, and it's, it's easy with like, oh, well that was a slumber party. Yeah. I saw four in one night. So the realization of like, I have consumed a lot of horror media just means that like October will be like a big bustling time for me. And that makes it so easy to kind of build content around it. And I love the concept of taking something that you already like and maybe a concept you're noodling over. So like, why not talk about like trauma and witchcraft? Like why not talk about how to make Halloween accessible for everybody? Because not everybody grew up with like a good concept of it. They're like, oh, that's the devil's holiday. Or what do you even do as an adult? Like, depending on where you live too. Like, I know you were saying like, what's fun to do in Halloween, over the Halloween season in Europe because there's really not that same culture of it in any given place. Like, big deal in Chicago, big deal in New York and California. But depending on where you live, it might just be like, you trick or treat. Like, you Maybe you want to get drunk in like a scarecrow, like a costume, which sure, do it if you want. But I feel like I've been able to kind of make podcasting the structure around it, my schedule, like a reflection of how I process the year. So this is my really like big time. So I feel like I'm really putting in a lot of energy into right now. But also, I think it's really important to know when to back off. So as someone who has a different energy wave that can struggle with chronic illness. I knew that if October was going to be really busy, I should take next week off to just plan to just do and not try to like churn something out right away. So ideally weekly is what I would like to stick to, but I also need to be mindful that if I want it to be quality and feel good about it and to feel like if I were listening to this as like a new person, would it make any sense to me? Or does it feel like a lot of rambling? So mm. if I ask myself that question about a thought I'm noodling over, I'm like, I just, maybe I don't podcast that week. Maybe it's mm. an inward time and then you come back to it later. So I like the idea of planning out more, but so much of what I podcast about is in response to the world. So I think I may be able to come to a point where I can do that on a weekly basis. But in the meantime, I think like weekly ish is a better format for me. I love that. So much self-awareness of like making things work for you with your energy, with your schedule, with what you want to talk about. It's incredible when you finally like own, this is how I'm going to make it work. And I'm going to take the action steps to make it happen. You know, you brought up something earlier about YouTube. And you're like, uh, I can't stand looking at my face and I would have to hire an editor immediately. People have those same thoughts about podcasting. And I've been trying to pinpoint, you know, why are people so comfortable going on reels and sharing all these Instagram stories with incredibly in-depth vulnerability and opening up and, you know, posting captions about fights that they just got in with their partner, or their business struggles. 
but somehow when it comes to podcasting, people freeze up. And I have a theory that it's because when we see podcasters in the media, they have the studio, the big headphones, the production, there's an editor in the back. There's always this inside joke with like the host and the editor and the producer. And you can just tell people are really well supported when you see them, you know, promoting their podcasts on video. And so I started to think, oh, that that's how I feel about YouTube is like, I'm going to have to get a ring light and a nice camera and a studio background. And so I'm curious you know, what made you actually want to start a podcast? Because people do think it's really overwhelming. So what made you want to start one and then move through those fears of like, is this a big production that I even can handle? Yeah, something that I think helped me was that barrier of not being seen while speaking, because something that as a neurodivergent person, I even have a hard time sometimes with eye contact, like I will get distracted trying to talk while looking at somebody unless I know exactly what I'm going to say. So I think that that's a part of it. Like if you're doing the YouTube thing, you have a monitor where you can see yourself speaking. And I'm like, that, that could not be me. <laughs> so that, that feels like very distracting. I'm, I'm, I'm sure if I did more research, there could be ways to make it accessible. But I think the big thing that trips me up is like the visual. I learned when I was working at a call center for a period of time that I don't mind listening to my own voice because how I hear myself speak. And then what I sound like in a recording feels almost disembodied. Like I don't feel like cringe, like, Oh, who, who is that annoying person speaking? If anything, I'm like, just slow down a little bit. I, if anything, I get annoyed that I feel like I have to speak faster or that like, Oh, I need to slow it down. So like pacing ends up feeling more of the issue when I listen to myself speak. But yeah, I think there's a lot of trust that I think people gain from just hearing other people speak as well. There's something about if you have like an auditory experience, it just immediately like hooks people. Like it's why we love audiobooks so much. And I think having that framing of like, oh, I can still connect with people even if they can't see me. Let's give it a try even if, if it might be uncomfortable. And it doesn't always feel comfortable to sit and do it. I think that that is something that I challenge every time I go to record. It has gotten better as time goes on because when I'm speaking, I do have a better sense of like how it'll sound when I listen back to the recording. But I think what I think that helps make it feel more accessible to me than having like a YouTube because I could think I'm doing everything so well, it'll look one way in the monitor. And then people are like, my hair does not look right. That doesn't look right. I feel like there's so many more elements that could be stacked against you. And, you know, something that helped me was knowing that a lot of people like yourself included began a podcast without having a mic. You're like, I'm just going to show up this way. And we're going to make it work. I think even TikTok helped me as well because people are showing up imperfectly. Like so many TikToks that do well are people like literally lying down and rambling about like, yeah, I learned I'm autistic. Here's how you get, how you get diagnosed. I'm like, oh, cool. This person has like 50,000 views, just like hanging in their bedroom. And there are ways that I, I feel like I like the structure of podcasting and that it does feel like that, like I was a radio Disney kid that feels so like cheesy to say, but like, I love listening to the radio. I love hearing people talk. So the other layer within that is I 
possibly should have gone to speech therapy as a kid. So growing up, I felt like I couldn't speak or that I would get made fun of for speaking or that any other thing would come up. So I chose podcasting over YouTube because I can't really hide that. I am grateful for Sarah Paulson and other people that have like speech issues that are like, fuck it, I'm going to still be me on camera. I'm like, I'm not there yet. <laughs> I'm not Sarah Paulson. So I, I challenge it by showing up on the podcast instead because, you know, people had told me for a while, like, I still understand you. You still have great things to say. Just still do it anyway. Like, take your time with it. You can re-record. You can show up imperfectly, but still authentically. Like, there's a way to be curated, but still real in podcasting in a way that really gels with me as somebody with, like, that wound of, like, I have been afraid to talk for a very long time as a kid. Oh, so many good points, especially like, okay, you record in the privacy of your room, which is really helpful. I think it creates a sense of safety for the nervous system. And the second thing that you brought up is, yeah, the the sound of your voice or the way you speak, that's a big fear for people. Like, I don't like the sound of my voice. I literally can't even listen to myself on a playback because it just sounds so different. Um, There actually is science that shows that the way you sound in a recording, like you said, actually isn't even how you sound. And the way you sound to other people is not how you sound to yourself. So you tend to come off more high pitched in a recording. And then the way your ear literally processes sound is different than how it sounds to another person. So that's just a fun fact that like the way I even sound right now to myself is probably not how you're hearing me. And it's not even how I'm hearing it in the recording of this episode, which I think is pretty cool that it kind of helps you have, um, think speaking of archetypes, it's like, oh, so I'm just like not even me when I'm recording. It's like a different version of me because it just sounds different. So I thought that that was just an interesting scientific fact. Um, But when it comes to like not liking the sound of your voice or not feeling like confident, like you mentioned, I thought people were going to make fun of me. I thought people were not going to even tune in or want to listen. Like what are some, it sounds like you started challenging with the podcast, but before you even committed to starting a podcast and that was a fear, was there anything that helped you move through that or what made you want to be like, you know what, podcasting is my kind of like middle finger to that thought that I have? Yeah, I think um, something something really big for me is like getting cut off that I need like an extra few seconds or even minutes of processing time before responding in some way to the point where people will often jump in or assume that I'm not engaged or assume that I have no thoughts about something. But in reality, I need the extra minute to like incubate, like really get that going. And I learned that with podcasting, I do actually think faster. I I process faster than I realize. I just need the safe space to do so. The thing is like, you're still putting yourself out there. So it's really not necessarily safe, but I feel, I don't know. I feel the sense of, the people that will be for me are not going to judge it. Or if they feel that I I talk about this in like the accountability episode I I put on recently, that if there's anything that I say, that's like off the wall, like I want to be challenged. I want people to call me in and be like, that was whack. What you, what you just said, but I have often silenced myself in the interest of like people pleasing. And 
by showing up this way and by focusing on something in a particular lens, I can, it's still controlling the experience in a way, like it's controlled risk, I think, that you are choosing what you're talking about, you're choosing your approach to talking about it. And you could always re-record, you could always change your mind in some way, or come back a few months later, like, I thought about that one episode, like episode three, and we're at episodes, whatever. And I'm like, I don't like what I said now. And here's why. There's a lot of power in being able to come back. I think we, we're all very afraid of cancellation, but I even talk about that. Like, we are too quick to do that. Like, we are human people. <laughs> and we should have more self-compassion and compassion for each other because we should use this time of being more connected, of like having these platforms to engage more and just not immediately dismiss each other. So it it's scary sometimes, but I remind myself that I'm trying to ease into this identity where I'm less afraid of showing up this way. So it, mm-hmm. it's still hard, but I do it anyway. Oh, I love that. It's still hard, but do it anyway. And yeah, well, you said you're choosing the topics. You're not on a live stream responding to comments in real time, trying to process, you know, 20 different people writing to you or maybe um, an over flooding of certain feedback. It's like what you just said. If you if you say something that you're like, you know what, I, I didn't agree with that. You're actually opening the door for people to come tell you, email me, shoot me a DM, like, let me know. And that probably feels a little safer even receiving feedback is like you're prompting that feedback versus like, putting up an article or, you know, a live stream that you're like, Oh, yay! I hope this does well. Can't wait to chat with people. And then it's like, bam, you know, things flooding at you. It's like, that's very dysregulating. And I think that's probably um, the way the medium is set up with podcasting is like, you put it out on a platform, and then people can respond in different ways, whether that is a DM, a voice note, an email versus one type of, you know, uh, stream of feedback. And I again, it's you're prompting it, you're opening the door to that feedback. So I think that's really cool, too, that you're, uh, you know, open to that, right? Because that's the fear is like, I'm going to be canceled. But if you're controlling the narrative of like, I'm not going to be canceled, if you let me know what the deal is, I'll hold myself accountable. If you hold me accountable, it's like, yeah, that's like, you're building a really strong relationship with your listeners. So I just want to commend you for that too. Thank you. Something I want to talk about. Yeah. Something I want to talk about is like, you know, before, before podcasting and after podcasting, BPAP, <laughs> before podcasting and after podcasting, have you noticed that anything has changed for you personally or professionally? Yeah. Um, where I was working at previously, they, they did notice that I was like opening up more, that I was speaking up more in meetings that in general, like if I was prompted, like, Hey, what do you think, Emmy? It's like, I, I would begin sharing. I felt less afraid. I, didn't, and I'd often say that too, like, you know, maybe you don't like how I want to say this right now, but let's just run with it. I I would do a quick kind of like primer like that because like with podcasting, what helped me get going was having this mentality of like, just say it. And maybe I don't like how I wrote it, but how I say it verbally will be the thing. Like it'll feel like the right thing that I should be saying, like the thing that I should have said all along. So that was really helpful. I feel like if I didn't have a right way of saying something, then maybe I just shouldn't say it. Like I felt like I had to pull back a lot. So that was perhaps the biggest jump. And I feel like I'm always kind of observing in a different way because I'm thinking about like, do other people feel this chill? 
should I talk about this? I feel like podcasting has allowed me to be more creative because I feel like because I am processing the world around me and I am storytelling on this platform, there's so much inspiration everywhere. And there's so many ideas that I have that I feel I held back on in a way with writing. Like I had to have like the right idea to begin writing. And I feel like I needed a lot more like priming or like I signed up for masterclass and I'm like, tell me what to do, Neil Gaiman. Like I felt so, I, I felt so blocked with writing that podcasting really felt like, wow, there's like stuff everywhere. Like I, I could podcast forever if I wanted to, because there's so much to talk about all the time. Because like, if I wanted to pivot to only like a horror movie podcast, then I could talk about all of the 230 plus movies I've seen and the in counting. I could talk about anything. So it felt really empowering to feel like even if maybe I was talking about the same thing in some way, there's still a different angle, like a different facet to explore and that that could help somebody felt really, really like energizing. I love that. That's the thing, right? Like you could literally just start talking about horror movies today, archetypes tomorrow, your, I don't even know, travels. You could talk about so many different things because you are a human being. And I always say this to aspiring podcasters is like, when you go to dinner, you don't only talk about your job. You don't only talk about a relationship. You're, you probably bounce around on like 12 different topics. And that's who you are as a person. When people go to brunch with you, they're like, oh yeah, I know that, you know, Emmy likes X, Y, and Z. And it's like, yeah, now you just get to speak on it as a multifaceted human being on your podcast, which is really incredible. And I'm so glad to hear you're speaking at more in meetings because, you know, we all have things to say and we all have an input. And I like that you even say like, hold on, let me just roll with this. But I'm like, it's just the act of even speaking up. Amazing. I love to hear that. What about advice for aspiring podcasters? Like, do you have any tips or tricks, you know, looking back that when you would have started, you would have given to, you know, future, I mean, excuse me, uh, beginner podcaster Emmy. Yeah. What I would tell beginner podcaster Emmy is the, like the mini sods, for instance, like just focus on using those to hone in on what you want to talk about. Don't be too fixated on like the analytics right away because you're beginning who like your loved ones are listening in for now, who knows who else will be listening and the benefit that they will gain from what you put out. And don't put something out because you feel like you have to, because if you identify as like a witch, as spiritual person, someone who loves like archetypal embodiment work, it doesn't mean that I have to talk about all the same things that other people are talking about at the time. I could talk about it when I'm ready to, or just kind of brush it off entirely. Like I have nothing to add to the narrative. Maybe if people have questions about it, I can welcome that and kind of squirrel that away for later, but just let yourself explore in the beginning and kind of be more open to inviting that kind of feedback because I have found, I feel like it's now that I'm going to like more parties. I'm at more I'm finding out how many people are listening to the podcast, which is really cool. They're like, I listen to it every Monday when I'm going to work. Like it set, it sets my week off on like the right foot. And it feels so cool, but 
I didn't know that until now. Like they're like, oh, I was there from the beginning. I'm like, I have not been good at creating like like a lane for this to be like a mutual conversation at any point. It's only been like me talking because I didn't know how else to invite the conversation. So, you know, voice messages are really great, you know, having a DM kind of thing. I I similarly feel weird about Instagram, but I'm like, Instagram could be a great way to have a conversation about the work that we're doing on the podcast. So I think that's a big one is I think I'd say to past me, make what you're excited about doing. Don't feel like you have to talk about something. And if you do like feel like you want to talk about something in a particular way, just maybe set it up to say like, I know this is what a death doula typically is. But this is what a podcaster could be, but here's what I'm doing instead. And laying it out there from the beginning and just doing it feels really good now. But I felt like I was kind of performing podcasting on a few episodes there. And those are the episodes that I listened back to. And I'm like, yeah, I was, I was trying too hard to be something that I don't want to be anymore. I love that advice, especially what you just said of like when trends pop up and you're like, okay, I have to add to the conversation or else I'm irrelevant. But sometimes like it's okay to zig when other people are zagging because that's what's going to make you stand out. People are going to be like, oh, finally, someone who's not talking about XYZ that is talking about something I'm interested. So there's always that person that wants to hear something different. So I'm glad you brought up that point. And you also brought up a point about analytics. I always tell people, I'm like, I wouldn't even look at analytics for the first three to six months unless you are like genuinely trying to put all your eggs in the podcast basket where you're like, I'm putting a lot of priority and investment into this. And you need to look at analytics week after week. Of course, I'm not saying literally don't log in and ever check them. You want to see how things are doing and what people are responding to. But if you're, you know, you put out three episodes and you're like, why am I not at 10,000 listeners? It's going to feel really discouraging and you're going to stop. I always say, look at the qualitative data, like what you just said, people are telling you about parties that they're listening. You're probably getting DMs, maybe in, in an email or two, you're going to find out that people actually found you through your podcast. That's the stuff that I say in the beginning, focus on those people that you're helping. Because like you said earlier, I'm doing this to either help or entertain or educate people. So if you are getting feedback that you are doing one of those things, that should help you be motivated, not the numbers on the listens. Cause sometimes it's not, it's not that people don't like you or aren't listening. It's like, they just haven't found your podcast yet. It's discoverability and they will, and then they'll become a fan. I would love to wrap up with a question about mic drop. What was one of your favorite things about it? And what would you tell someone about mic drop? Yeah. My favorite thing about mic drop, I think was that cohort model was like meeting other people that were at different stages of their podcast development or their podcast journey that like there was somebody who already knew like, Oh, this is the name. This is my cover art. I got this on lock. And I'm like, wow, you, you like, that's so cool that you just know, like I was still in a like discernment, like I know I want to do it. That's about it. And it felt kind of good to be an observer of other people's process because we were all kind of going through the same curriculum, but internalizing it in different ways. Like maybe editing may look the same for a lot of us, but how we approach wanting to structure an episode, like how we would pitch, you know, somebody to be on our podcast was really interesting for me because 
yeah, as a projector, it's like, you shouldn't pitch yourself. And I'm like, oh, but how about inviting people to do something? It's like, that's fine. So having like a framework for that and seeing other people do it was really helpful. Like I learn so well by doing that. I think that being able to kind of iterate around other people just helped me kind of shed the anxiety of like, I'm not going to know how to do this when I'm alone by myself. It's like, well, I'm not alone. Like there's all these other people who are doing the exact same thing as me, who we're all learning together. And even like the support around it, like throughout and then after like cheering each other on feels so, I always feel like when I hear that in other people, it's like, oh, it's so cheesy, but it's like, no, it feels good. Like I like hearing what other people make, knowing that we went through this whole like liminal transformation together. Like we began at the same place. We are ending in more or less the same place. Like it's also great to see how folks treat like their breaks because there's a fear of like, I I'm afraid of the pod fade. Like I'm afraid that I'll just fizzle out entirely. It's like, no, that didn't happen to people in this experience because we could hold each other accountable we were all open, like, yeah, summer was a lot. So you're just not going to hear from me. <laughs> I'm, I'm not dead. The podcast isn't dead. It's going to be fine. So I feel like it gave me a lot of confidence. And I feel like it gave me a lot of permission to do things that I think would be like bad habits I'd want to fall back on. So I think it gave me a lot of a good push because I need that kind of group accountability I've learned when it comes to mm-hmm. something so, so new. So I I really feel grateful for having been through that with other people. I love that. Yeah, the power of community, right? Like you said, sometimes the trying in public is what's scary. So when you can try in a private cohort with other people that are also trying, it's like, oh, we're in this together. So now it doesn't feel as scary or intimidating. And I think that's something that's underrated a lot is like, maybe we just need a group to try with and not do this on our own in our own room and you know, then all this cycle of, you know, anxious thoughts comes. It's like, no, we're all in this together. So I'm glad the cohort was um, was so helpful for you. One of my last questions is, what would you say to someone who wants to start a podcast or wants to take mic drop, but they are just scared of being seen or they're scared of feedback or they're scared because they don't feel like they have enough ideas? Like the, the general consensus of people that haven't started is that they're scared or fearful or um, like they don't know enough. So what would be your advice to them? Yeah, I would say give yourself time. I think the beauty of something like mic drop is a structure of half the time you're learning, you're simply absorbing information and then trying it on. And the other aspect is that you'll just be implementing the information. So if you feel like a beginner, like everything feels a little bit overwhelming, like anything new feels overwhelming. Like think about the last time you were a beginner. It, I didn't feel good in my first yoga class and now I go all the time. You know, it, it takes time to build up a practice. So maybe even treating podcasting like a practice and not like something you need to get right could be really powerful for you. And you, if in terms of being afraid of like, I don't have good ideas. I don't know what I'll do yet. Most people don't really know what they're going to do right away. If they do have a very strong idea for a podcast, I've noticed that maybe they were content creators in another way. 
And they just adapted what they did to suit this kind of platform. Like if they were, if they were on YouTube and they talked about like the dark set of TikTok about like ghost stories and hauntings and like ghost hunting, and they have like a ghost hunting podcast now, it's like they, they didn't have it easier. They put in work elsewhere to translate to a podcast. So whether it's something that you are already learning or something that you already do, or even something that you want to learn out loud on the podcast, there's a lot of opportunity to make it your own. So don't be discouraged by not having like a perfect idea right at the gate. Like the beauty of a cohort model like Mic Drop is that you may figure it out while you're learning. So don't discount the beauty of what can come up just by beginning before you're ready. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that. Being a beginner and being okay with a beginner and like learning as you go is to me the recipe for success. I absolutely love that advice. My last question is, can you tell us a little bit about your podcast and what your favorite episode you've done is? Oh, so my podcast, The Violet Vulture, I, oh man, my favorite episode so far. That is, that is a, a tough one. I do feel very attached to villain era. I feel like that speaks to kind of even what the podcast is that I'm talking about something that feels a little bit taboo. I'm talking about it from different angles and I'm offering how you could find that elevating, that that could give you a lot of value in your life. I think the mini episode where I'm talking about like the value of horror was also really great for me because I realized that writing about it is one thing. Talking about horror for me still felt taboo. So it felt like a really great container to explore that a bit more. And yeah, I I love that my podcast is both about particular things, but also can be expanded in so many ways. And you know, the the name of it felt like what's the word? I feel like it took me so long to think of it, but then when I went to go visit my family, I had done a self-portrait in my early 20s of me with a violet vulture. So after like doing all this like deep symbolism, like this is a deep like self-work of like, oh, that's what the podcast should be called. And it was like staring at me all along. It's like, people are going to think it's just about this portrait I did, (laughs) which wouldn't be wrong at this point, but... I feel like it's very on the nose that something that I created has been a part of me for so long, but also has so many layers to it. And I feel like it can grow with me. I don't feel like, I don't see me getting bored with it. And I like the power of being able to take a break because that's good boundaries. That way I don't resent the work and it can still be about steering it in the direction that'll mean something to me. Oh, so beautiful. Well, where can everyone find you and your work? Is there anything exciting coming up that we can tap into? Yeah. So October is the best time. I love Halloween, clearly. So on Instagram, I will be translating something I started on Facebook, which I called Emmy Ween, onto Instagram. So lives, story time, live readings, uh, tarot readings that are live. I'll be providing a little breakdown of that shortly on my page, but also on um, my newsletter, newsletter people. 
get a lot more information from me more consistently and always updating my website with information. So Emmy on Instagram or soyemmy.com is how you could find me and hop on the newsletter, all those fun things. And yeah, I will be putting out some themed episodes in October as well. So hope y'all listen. And yeah, really excited to be on here and to dive into autumn. I love it so much. Oh, amazing. Well, I am so excited you came on and your work is incredible. Everyone go tune into the Violet Vulture and Emmy. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much. Oh, don't you guys love Emmy? She is so genuine and she's so committed to her boundaries and making things work for her. I love that. In a society that tells us to constantly produce, constantly be an output robot, constantly be consistent, right? Just constant consistency. I feel like Emmy's like, um, no, pause. I'm going to make this work for me, which is why I absolutely love her podcast. I told you all my favorite episode was the villain era one. I still feel like I need to have my villain era. So stay tuned for that. Again, you might see red hair soon, a different uh, wardrobe coming. And if you're like, what are you talking about? Then you need to go listen to the Violet Vulture villain era episode. Check out her podcast, check out her work, go support her. She is such an incredible human being. And I hope you learned a lot about podcasting and the journey that it's not always easy. You're going to face challenges. You're going to doubt yourself. You're going to feel like, what am I doing? Is podcasting really for me? Which is why I wanted to have this more open, honest conversation with someone who started a podcast and been through Mic Drop. And just a reminder, Mic Drop is open for enrollment. If you want to join us, we start October 10th. So you can register until October 9th. It runs for eight weeks and you're going to learn everything you need to know about podcasting. Systems and organizing, recording tips and pointers, content strategy, understanding analytics, launch and marketing strategy. It's all in one place. And the best part is you're doing it with a group. So you have all these podcasters in the making doing it with you. You get to ask for feedback from me and the group. You can brainstorm your ideas and test them and see that, you know, they're actually viable. You can collaborate and do podcast swaps within the private Slack group. There are just so many opportunities inside Mic Drop for you to really feel confident every time you hit record. So again, if you want to join us, we start October 10th. Registration closes October 9th. And you can find the link in my show notes to register. Thank you all so much for listening and I'll see you next week.